I'm so incredibly grateful for everyone that turned up on February 21 to the Valley Lodge event that we had. It was a great night with a lot of great people. Also, so incredibly grateful to Dan and Brian, who were the hosts of the Charger Powerlifting Meet at Stag High School. Again, great people doing great work. We got a variety of things coming up for us. Work on the South Side of Chicago with our friends, the Lost Boys. Traveling up to Boston, heading out to California, and up to Michigan. We're going to be all over the place. This month, we got two things coming up for us that are especially exciting, both in the world of powerlifting. First is the Blue Devil Invite on March 16. It's up at Warren High School. We got great people from, uh, who do we have, Alex? We have Warren High School, Mundelein High School, McHenry, Waukegan. Is that all we got? That's it. Four, four teams. Love it. We're taking New Trier High School, not necessarily associated with the project, but the athletes I work with day to day. We are heading to NASA High School Nationals, so I'm going back to Oklahoma City, and we are going to let a lot of great kids duke it out with teams from all over the place, Kentucky, Oklahoma, Missouri, Texas, New Mexico, Kansas City, all over the place. Should be a lot of fun. That's all the updates for now. Enjoy today's episode. Welcome to the Good Athlete Podcast, the voice of the Good Athlete Project. Robin Lyons is legit. She's got more than 20 years of coaching and competitive experience working with athletes in the fitness industry, mountain biking, collegiate athletes, winter sport athletes, you name it, she's worked with them. She has a pretty clear purpose, and I think that's why she's successful. Her purpose is helping athletes and individuals who are driven and goal-oriented to reach their maximum potential in sport and for themselves. Those are her words. That's her mission. I think it's a fantastic one. She's now the founder and head coach at Mountain Lab Performance, just outside Jackson Hole, Wyoming. You'll be able to tell from the conversation that she knows what she's doing, but if you want the paper to back it up, she holds a master's degree in sports conditioning and human performance and is a certified strength and conditioning specialist through the NSCA. When she's not coaching, she's either mountain biking, floating the river, snowboarding, adventuring outdoors, or recording podcasts with us. And for that, we're super grateful. We're hoping this is part one of a continuing conversation with Robin, and we think you're going to get a lot out of this episode. Yeah, there was a part of my life where athletics played a large role in my identity and and my purpose. Uh, and coming, I guess, you know, from a small town in central Alberta where nobody knew me to um, all of a sudden being recognized for throwing a discus a certain distance or um, getting a full ride scholarship, you know, where a lot of people didn't even think I was going to go to college um, and then eventually turning that into a master's degree um, and again, like barely making it out of co- or ma- barely making it out of high school, um, and having any passion for learning, um, you know, athletics became my route to continue that journey. Right. So I don't think I would have gone to college, right? Like, Oh, I could go and I could travel and I can still participate in sport and compete. Um, and so, and also get, you know, validated and recognized. Um, and, uh, that that's just a natural part of what comes with sport, right? You, you get rewarded, you, um, you get recognized, you get a pat on the back and who doesn't want that. Right. And, and whether that's in sport or in business, it's the same thing Sport played that role. It also gave me an identity, um, that people accepted. Um, and I think as a woman who was struggling with who I was and trying to create an identity for myself, um, when people could say, Oh, she's a, you know, a champion or she's a national champion or she's a five time all American, like those accolades, um, gave me confidence and gave me, um, again, an, a, a person that I could accept myself. So there's a lot of, again, underneath 
layers to this, right? In terms of just my own perception of who I was um, and what I accepted of myself and also what people were telling me. So Right. That's um, a that's a that's an easier, cleaner narrative than adolescent girl trying to figure herself out and, and mm-hmm. like so like millions are going through. Yeah. I totally. never thought of that. Yeah. Not everyone gets totally. to say five time all American, but like you're right. <laughs> it, it gives you kind of an easy bio line and you yeah. Right, right. So, um, yeah, so there there was that. And, and then you got to look at like, well, you know, what was my purpose back then? What was my why behind my participation and my competitiveness? Um, and those were my things, uh, rewards, validation, acceptance. Um, and I'm just using that in context because it leads me, it le- led me to a path that wasn't fulfilling anymore. So what I say by that is because it became about winning so much, which I won a lot in my college career and in my competitive career in track, and, and that led to bobsleigh and other, a lot of other things. But um, the reason why I was in track is because I wanted to win and I wanted to prove myself and I wanted to be validated. And I'll just use that as a – there's a lot of other terms, but that's one of them. And that also led to um, – a, a vulnerability spot where I guess, um, or, or maybe just, um, ignorance in the sense of that you're so driven to be the best and you're so driven to prove yourself and to be somebody, right. Uh, that you get with coaches who also are trying to be somebody and trying to prove themselves that there's all of a sudden this gray area where, you know, you're playing the game now to be elite and to be the best and to be a winner. Um, and drugs played a role with that in our team uh, in Wyoming, uh, which, you know, again, when I had the blinders on at 20 years old and I had this coach saying, I'm this and that and I can be this and that. And this is how you do that relative to his success. Um, you don't really question it. You just kind of go with the flow in terms of like, here's this bottle that you take. Here's these supplements you're going to take before this track meet. And I don't care if you like it or not. If you don't like it, then don't be here. Right. And so then, you're, so there's, there's a lot of things that, um, you know, at that age when you don't know yourself well enough to make your own decisions or your, you don't know your, you don't really have values or beliefs, you know, and I, at that point I had an idea of what I wanted, but I didn't really have a belief system in terms of, um, what that was supposed to look like for myself and where I would go and where I wouldn't. So a lot of us, all of us were thrown in that, Derek included, and um, long story short, that led me to a positive drug test. Now, we can go down that wormhole as well, because I wasn't actually, and I'll say it today, I wasn't actually taking um, anything at that point, but there might have been stuff in my system that, you know, when you're sure. going down to the nanogram of testing, and let's right, just right, talk right. about picograms with the right. uh, MM, you know, MMA fighter that just got busted. Right. That, whatever, right. That they're defending now, but, but that's real shit. I mean, yeah, you could go down to whatever you want to identify a positive test. Yeah. I don't know what the half-life of, of it all is, but there's gotta be something lingering. I mean, back then it was like Andristine and yeah, like all the shit that, um, the baseball player was taking in the nineties. Right. I, you know, you go, you go to GNC, but, um, any way that we could boost our ability to recover from the amount of training we were doing. Now well, that's, that's, that's such an interesting, that's a great place to kind of linger for a second too, because, um, the volume, well, the intensity and volume, it's funny. We will have, um, I've got a meeting with, I, I also work, um, 
my day day job is at Nutri High School. It's a it's a absolutely fantastic place. We've mm-hmm. got a fourteen hundred person strength program uh, to serve the needs of all those athletes. We've got a, uh, a an unbelievable part time staff of strength coaches. Awesome. I, I give that backstory. We're we're gonna go have a, a meeting and and we talk, especially with our younger, more intern level coaches. We talk about just the exchange of intensity and volume and periodize whatever, trying to peak at a certain point. Things that I truly believe because we are, uh, you know, the bulk of the staff is part-time educators working in a weight room, things that they understand. It sounds like uh, we, perhaps whoever was designing your program in college didn't really get that. Is that, is that fair to say? It, it, <laughs> well, it sounds, the, the stories sound crazy. Yeah. I mean, the guy who was designing our programs was our head coach, the track coach. And, um, and he had a reason for what he did. I mean, he was a drugged athlete as well. Um, he had a big history of that. And the stories he told us was like, I mean, I don't even want to go down that path. I was like, wow, holy cow, he took some risks. And then um, when you kind of uncover, you know, his belief in terms of like how you make it to the Olympics and how you get there, he's like, everyone's doing this. Like, if you're not doing this and you don't have the heart to be on my team, um, you know, I, I'll just, I'll share a story, you know, where, you know, we were at Kansas state and I was, um, my first year there at Wyoming and I was already leading the, um, NCAA for the, uh, indoor season for weight throw. Um, you know, so I was already the best at that point. And we got to the first track meet and of course I'm a rookie and I'm nervous. And, you know, he already gave us a little bag of ephedrine, aspirin and caffeine, you know, and I, and I'm like, I don't need it. Like, I'm like, I'm so jacked right now. Like, I don't need to do that. So I was like, I put that in my backpack and I'm like, come out and I'm warming up. And he comes over, he goes, did you take the bag? And I'm like, no coach. I'm like, I'm so good right now. Like, I feel like I don't need that. And, and that was my first lesson of saying no. Uh, Cause that was a quickly grab of the, you know, grab my jacket, throw me against the, like, I don't know, the netting system they had there. And he does like, if you don't show me you have heart this season, like, well, like you want to, I don't remember what he said. It was a few efforts here and there. And I'm just like, he's like, take the fucking bag, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, and I, just, I just got there, man. I'm like, is this for real? Like, is this really what I signed up for? And is this really what it takes? Like, all right. So I you're like, a, you're a kid to keep putting right. this in context. That's unbelievable. Oh, totally. Like, it's not like I'm like a 30 year old woman uh, at this point, you know? And, and so you're like, all right. So I take the bag and I was so cracked out. I mean, I couldn't even do, like, I, I was surprised I could turn. Like, you know what the weight throw is? It's like a hammer throw with a 20 pound ball at the end. Um, end up getting second, right? Like, I'm just like, I didn't even need to do those things um, looking back. But in, in context, like, that's where he was always pushing us. Like, it was like, we trained, we trained so much that I had to take summer classes to stay in school. Okay. So, uh, you know, to even go to that story, we had three sessions a, a day. And then, um, you know, on top of throwing in the morning, uh, and then we had throwing in the afternoon, then we had weight room for two hours. And, uh, you know, in there, you're constantly on, constantly trying to PR every day on top of the volume, which, uh, you know, Derek and I talked about a little bit, which was basically, um, you know, 80, 90% uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then um, the back end of that weekend, the next three days were 70% at higher volume. So you're doing like these you know, three sets of three power cleans next week, you're doing two sets of three, one set of three, anywhere from 80 to 95%. And then on, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we're doing, you know, tens and twelves of power cleans, <laughs> back squat. So we're doing the same shit, just more volume on the back of the week. And then we didn't you know, so you did that for 
six days a week and then you're supposed to still train on Sunday. He still wanted us to throw. It's just, I mean, his, he is just basically taking a, a bunch of eggs, throwing them against the wall and going, okay, what eggs are still not cracked? And that was our team. Right. And those are our, th- right. <laughs> and we'll yes. compete that crew. Yeah, totally. And people didn't make the program. I saw plenty of girls, even guys come in the system and were kicked out within months. Right. And so then there's this, like, you know, there's this level of you know resiliency, I guess you could say, or of the athlete that he was looking for, because that was how he knew how to win. And that's how he knew how to put all Americans on his wall that validated him as a coach. Right. So as a mature woman now who's like got some experience and I look back at that guy, I'm like, man, he was he was in a place, a dark place, yeah. like not a very fun place. Right. For him yes. to be coaching that way and for him to think like he was trying to do so much for his credibility on that end. That is, I, I think people need to hear that. OK, because here, here's what I think. So there are going to be some people to whom that egg reference is, is a, an empowering metaphor. You know what I mean? I, I'm telling you, I like you go through football doubles. We'll see which eggs don't crack. Sure. You know what I mean? Something like that. That'll that's who we want. Um, I will say that there is a theoretical validity to that with an asterisk. It's if you have uh, a, an intentional, thoughtful uh, science based program that doesn't demand demand like outside stuff. You know what I mean? Like if it were not absurd to the level that yours was perhaps yeah you want to see what cream rises to the top but from everything i've heard about your training sessions those are just things that a regular human could not do and it sounds like you know because of uh what everyone was pushed to that plays out you know regular couldn't human couldn't do that you couldn't sustain that um there had to be extras there had to be supplementation to make sure that you could rest and come back the next day and in case people don't know like a practice a throwing practice that's olympic lifting essentially like like that is explosive that's intense that is a training session it's not like a walk in the park um looking through film anyway i say all of that because um to those who that like resonates with like to the coaches who are like yeah that's a that's a cool metaphor let's do that and see what mm-hmm. who comes out the back end I think what you find ultimately this long feedback loop is you find like I hope I hope you've made amends with your old coach I guess I don't know but it sounds like what you <laughs> so I so if I'm being mean I apologize if he's your pal now but what what it sounds like you find is sort of a sad person at the back end of their career who has mm-hmm. not been able to do what you've done which is transfer their experience as an athlete to a healthy coaching method healthy practice yeah I mean and this is why it's so important for coaches to dig into their own shit because you can't really transparently, like you can't authentically work in a place that is about onward and upward momentum without first identifying your own filters, your own beliefs, your own values and who you are as a person. And that's different for everybody. Like, and that's what I'm saying. When I went down to Arizona, you know, when I was like in the midst of like, you know, cause I compete in CrossFit for seven years as well. So there's like, what do I do now? You know, what's my next thing? And it's like, you know, I had to work on that. I had to figure out, I had to, I had to like figure out those demons, like what was still left in there, where my anger was, where all these, you know, all these other identities I was working around. Um, and I say just perceptions of who I was like, there was work I had to do before I could say I'm a full-time coach, I'm going to be able to help somebody. Um, you know, and I say help in terms of build the path, 
um, sit down, have a consultation and really be able to listen and really be able to understand them as a human being. So, you know, from a, so the biggest things I've learned is, is first know you, and I'm not saying fix you cause there's no fixing. It's just like what, right. It's just like, know who you are and, and understand that to the best of your abilities and continue growing that to the best of your abilities. So whatever that means, like whatever practice that means for you, like just find ways to connect to the body, mind, and I'll say spirit, if that scares anybody, whatever, but oh, it's, well, there's, yeah. there's, yeah, you know, but connect with that, understand that. And, and, um, I think at that, that point you can really, really impact people with a genuine experienced centered place. And I say centered, you're not looking at all the like quick little Insta Insta famous things that you can grab for this individual. Like, Oh, I can get this person here and I can do this, but for who, for you or for the athlete. And, and I think that's where, you know, I feel like in my career now, it's like, I feel like I'm such in a great place where um, I can, I can be still with my own things and I can listen to another athlete who comes to me and we can approach and start really talking in context and build relationship. So we are clear on where we're really trying to go. So if it's that type of athlete, if I'm working with somebody who's an unconscious, incompetent individual who thinks they're good, but they're not, I can work with them in that place and we can be genuine and be careful as well, right? We don't want to sit here and hurt feelings, but we can talk with truths. And then if I get some, right, right. And then if I get somebody who's now conscious, but still incompetent, so they're like, oh, I'm not good. Great. Now we have another layer to build on, right? Now we can just build on skill and, 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 and their path and why they're there. Um, so that's how I, you know, these frameworks that I'm using, but it's like, you know, really digging into that type of level. You talk about mentality or you talk about, um, you know, just human being human factors. You can't deal with human factors until you deal with your own. Yeah. So that's, that's been my biggest thing. I think, you know, in the last 10 years has been be able to do that. So that's, that's really, really good. You can, I, I, I mean, you're totally right. And, and, and you think about, um, if you're being sort of a thoughtful coach, anytime you get the, the really cool opportunity to sit down and talk to a reflective, honest, sincere kid or, or developing athlete, how often do you refer back to your own methods of what works until you until you've had to kind of pull yourself up off the ground it's really hard to recommend to someone else how to do it hypothetically or figure yourself out figure out your own identity in the midst of like almost non-stop chaos whether regardless of where it's coming from uh, only then can you really start to help people help people sounds lame but but guide and facilitate whatever their development might be right just like you ask the athlete why are they competing you have to ask yourself why you're coaching. Yeah. Because yeah. if you if you're not asking those questions, um, you know, and, and I've been there too as a coach. Mm-hmm. I've been there to validate totally. myself again. You know, oh, here's this athlete who's going to show the world that I am the best. Like, you know, once you grow through those phases as a coach and you start really digging into really why you're coaching, um, and again, that's individualized, right? But yep. it's like that just allows you, I think, to really broaden and expand. Um, your abilities and your depths as a coach, right? Anybody can throw down a program and take somebody through it um, and and get them better, let's say, um, but to really build relationships that are ever evolving and ongoing and life changing, that's where, that's why I'm here now. You know, that's, that's my, that's my purpose and what I do today. 
I love that. Okay, so, well, tell us about where you are now, Mountain Lab. Why is this the place for you? Mountain Lab. So um, the mountains have always been in my core, like from the get-go. Now, I got pulled and distracted in, in, a, in an athletic journey, in, in many athletic journeys, um, for for purpose and reason, right? It was like, this is what I knew and this is what I wanted at that point in my life. Um, but if I was ever going to strip all that away and just say, who's Robin Lyons? Where is she? What does she enjoy to do on a daily basis? Um, it's being on my bike. It's being on my snowboard. Um, it's being in nature. It's being outside um, in the elements of that. And that's always been a part of me. So full circle now. 40 years in the desert, here I am, right, coming, coming to my truths. Um, I just woke up one morning and, and I'm like, well, where do you want to be? You know, you establish a pretty good career. You, you, you work remotely, so it's like you don't have to be somewhere there, you know, where you have to be with a bunch of people. And, and uh, I ran into this town accidentally coming uh, skiing in Jackson and coming on the other side. And I'm like, what is this town? What is this, you know, little valley and there was so much access and everyone I talked to, I stopped at a restaurant and talked to the chef and he's like, this is the best place ever. I came for a ski season and had a summer here and that was it. Like the summers are amazing too. And so I was just like, everyone I talked to in this little valley was just telling me the same story. I head up to Canada. I was kind of like on my fist passing through. Um, and then after Canada, I came back down this is just a ski trip, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, I just like, let me check out this land and how much it costs to live here. And just kind of, you know, curiosity. And I was already exploring other options in Colorado. Obviously Colorado is known to be the mountain place where you go and, and experience that type of activity. And you don't really hear a lot about Montana and Idaho and Wyoming. Um, and for such good reason <laughs> as I'm finding out. Um, but, uh, yeah, I was like, I could actually buy land and buy a condo here and I could actually afford shit and I could still have access to the to the degree of like where nobody's out here. Like, you know, um, and, and all the people that I met here were just the same. Like they're here not to brag about climbing the grand twice in a day. You know, yeah, they were right. here to like just be in the daily activity routine of just exploring and being outside and, and just the love and passion for that. So Long story short, my partner and I were like, we're done. We both have the same, we value that just as just much um, as equally. So um, we, yeah, we got a little town home just on the base of the mountain here, um, about 10, 15 minutes from the ski hill. And then in the summertime, it turns into a downhill mountain bike park. And then we have the pass, which is right over Jackson. That's where you have all the backcountry access. And then, of course, you got the, the Grand Tetons, which I'm still working myself up slowly to. I just took my uh, avalanche course this weekend we were out in the backcountry for three days um so i can read snow and know like what i'm doing out there and not but anyway no full circle it's just i can like where do i want to be i was just like mountain lab i'll just i'll just create a little space and um you know i had around 50 ish remote clients at the time i was still with um opex um and i was like i'll just bring them out here and 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 coach people because i there's an element to coaching that i still believe is key if you're going to be a coach you got to do it in person <laughs> because the the remote the remote gig was great for me when I was on site in at in Scottsdale because I was still coaching people on the floor. Right. But as soon as I moved up here, immediately I was like, I'm just hammering programs in my kitchen, and I'm yeah. like, no, like yeah. this is not you know. So I'm like, I got to create a little vortex where people can come in and and work with me. So that was the first idea. Okay. And then that quickly 
grew organically into a local spot for a bunch of um, mountain bikers and mountaineers and people who want to really crush the outdoors and need yeah. that fitness component to like continue, you know, expanding their experience out there. Like yeah. meaning like they want to have great experiences, right? They want to be able to crush. And this Valley is hilarious, man. People out here, they're so hardcore. They just like, they're like CrossFitters on crack, but they're like CrossFitters on the mountain. Like they're right. meaning like they just attack everything like with full intensity, which is awesome place for me to be. Cause I'm like, let's sit down and talk about this longevity right. place. But, uh, right. but the, the people out here are amazing. And, and so, yeah, I'm working with some Nordic skiers. I'm working with um, some professional mountain bikers and I'm working with uh, Jay Pettiberry, who's a ex- ultra distance uh, mm-hmm. racer, uh, super blessed to, to have an athlete like that. Who's like the one percentile yeah. of the best. Um, and I get to work with him and his energy and, and his purpose is amazing. Yeah. Um, so it's just, yeah, just all of a sudden I'm like, that's awesome. Sweet. So then I was like, <laughs> well, I really, and it just really got me in front of people every day, every yeah. day. And I was like, this is amazing. This is, this is who I am as a coach. Like, yeah, I love I, the, the remote thing allows me to touch people, but to mm-hmm. really touch people in person for me, I've just found like that is, that's me and yeah. that's, that's where I'm going to be full time. And so I started having conversations with the boys down in, in Scottsdale and I was just like, you know what guys, I think this is it. Like, yeah, I found it. And I mean, I found really my essence in coaching and, and getting myself back in front of people again. And for the long game, I think that's even, you know, that's going to be better. I think we're all going to be replaced by robots on our remote setting anyway. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, yeah. so, so, so hunker down and do some brick and mortar, uh, coaches. No, but, uh, I, I think for me, it's just my passion. I, I do well in, in, in front of folks and, um, I love that connection. So long story short, yes, mountain lab became, um, this place that is still growing and we're still influencing people and impacting them and educating them. Um, and working mostly now with, with mountain athletes, I have a few one-offs of CrossFitters that I still work with. Um, uh, but mostly now just, uh, the mountain athlete. So I, I love it. I think it's amazing. And, uh, I will tell you, I think the good athlete project started similarly enough. It, I, I certainly won't steal your story. Yours is much more interesting, but it, it in, in the idea that it's sort of a, an assessment of, of what your abilities might be, what sort of things you need in your life. And then if you're, if you're really being thoughtful and reflective about those things, maybe it'll coalesce into kind of an idea that can sustain you long term. And, and it sounds like you've definitely, definitely found that, which is really cool and refreshing to hear. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, man. Yeah. And, and it's been a journey. Right. Just like, you know, it's not, uh, you know, it's not like I just put this awesome logo up there and then right. people start showing up and, and that's another thing. I, I just brought on a new coach who has been an athlete of mine for the past three years and brought her out here and, you know, she's 26 and just starting to learn the, you know, stuff. And it's like, I'm telling her, she's like, I want to be able to come out there and say what you do. Like you go out there and you're just like that, 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 and you just know exactly how to, you know, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, you're going to get there. Right. It's just yeah, like, but right. it's time. And and you know, you know, I get what you're saying, and it's like, but you know, at 41 now, you know, this is this has been a lifelong journey for me, where, um, you know, being able to be come from a place again where you know you can be um, competent, and I'll say it, you know, getting to the point of unconscious competence, which you think like is more flow state. Right. So you think of like elite athleticism where, you know, you, you move them from an unconscious, uncompetent state, right, all the way to a competent, unconscious state of flow. Um, and 
I think in coaching, it's kind of a similar journey where you start getting, especially when you're where you want to be and you know, you've identified that and now you're holding on to that and, uh, and letting that evolve organically and grow. Um, but I feel like that's kind of where in my career and in my continuum now, that's kind of where I feel, um, I'm reaching to all the time and being able to just know and have this intuitiveness, um, with, with the people that I'm working with along with experience and knowledge and all that kind of stuff. Right. But you have this, just this, this flow that goes around it and it just creates this other experience as well. It's just amazing. Yeah. Flow is good. I'm trying to think of the metaphor that aligns with the back country. We, we've, we've made this metaphor before, but the, the brain essentially is a forest in the way that it connects and intertwines, whatever. It's the most complex forest we could ever imagine. But when you talk about that, uh, sort of unconscious, um, it's positive uh, when you do it right so many times you're essentially beating down a path through the forest so that you can kind of follow the path even when you're not thinking about it all the time necessarily um, right. it's a little different than a dense forest because there's always things sort of tugging at your attention and, and there's always cues coming in you're watching certain things are similar enough to an athlete maybe you've had before but there's unique uh, there's something unique about it. So you're kind of riding the path or you're walking through the dense forest, the thing that you've laid over and over, but you got to take a quick detour before you can get back to the path hypothetically. Uh, but yeah, I think you do like, there's no, it's like training and like physical mm -hmm. training. You just can't jump it to a point. You have to have walked this path enough times to be able to call on it, uh, unconsciously or subconsciously to, totally. to flow. So totally. I, I, I love that. And it. I will say that uh, the in, in the the remote thing, too, I because I, I want people to you have remote options still, right? For remote. Coaching, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, I probably I mean, I've cut that down. I mean, like I said, I had over 50 clients on average remotely that I was working with. So um, I probably have around 15 now, which is a great number because mm -hmm. I feel like I can still put good time into those athletes that aren't here on a daily basis. Um, I feel like, and this is just my experience, like there's some coaches that have a hundred clients remotely, brilliant, and you can manage that and they have a great service, brilliant. Uh, but for me, um, like I said, the relationships are key and, uh, you know, that is what makes the coaching and athlete relationship. That's important to me. That's part of, you know, why I coach. So if I can't get that, you know, um, especially in a remote setting, if I have somebody who can't communicate or we can't find that that ground of communication that it works for us, then it just doesn't work. Right. So, um, and I, and I'm okay with that and it's okay. Like find what works for you and I'll find an athlete who can work with me. Right. So it's, it's just that, it's that name of the game, but yeah. So I still have probably 15 ish around remotely. And then the rest here, uh, we quickly grew, uh, we have over 50, uh, clients on site. We've only been open for, you know, four and a half months. Um, so, uh, and we were working with a Valley of, I'll say, combined with all the towns, you know, maybe eight to 9,000. I don't know. I'm totally throwing numbers out there, but it's not like we're sitting in a city where mm -hmm. I have like disposable folks just coming through my door. So, uh, people that come in here are really serious about getting better, really serious about improving their journey and whatever that is for them. And, and we're really serious about helping them. So I love that. And, and it just, um, it sort of flavors the remote thing too, to, to, no offense to those people who have a hundred clients, I guess. I don't, I don't know them, but, uh, that just seems like a really hard thing to do. You feel, I, I would, we're looking into remote training a little bit too, but, mm -hmm. it, but, but there's gotta be the human element without the human element. It's like, you're like writing a blog or, or you're a computer programmer. You know what I mean? This should work based on the science. Good luck. 
um, instead of seeing it the day before in the gym with with athlete A and trying to make it to a place or get it, get get a lift or a, or a or a training session to a place where it can be scaled. You have to have the intimate one to one. I I would assume. Yeah, I mean that that brought up a good point. I mean with the programming piece because or the programmer uh, name because I actually argued that when I was with. Um, OPEX, which if I was going to say who's doing the best job remotely for, you know, the athletes that they're working with, I think they do a great job. They're big dogs now. Obviously, you know, they're they're detached and now they're called the big dogs, but the same, same coaches, same service um, in terms of what they provide and then who they're working with. They're just trying to refine that more and more. But um, I think, I think they do a great, great job. I think we, we were definitely leaders in that in terms of what type of uh, what type of services remote coaching look like, you know, in terms of our monthly consultations and how our frameworks were around that and what, how we kept our pants pulled up around, you know, keeping that connection best we could um, in a remote setting. But at the end of the day, you got a hundred people on your plate. Then you definitely have people that don't really need to talk to you once a month potentially. Right. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong in terms of if you have a hundred clients or not. And I, I've seen coaches who have that, who do a great job. Right. So it's like, again, it's just a different type of experience. Yeah. And you got to ask yourself, what experiences do you want in your coaching career? Um, and for me, um, it's coming down to, to being in front of the person to, to be able to touch them, to be able to speak to them and see their expressions, to be able to watch them train and, and look at their mechanics like in real time, not just on video. Um, and, and like I said, if I have a remote client, which I do. I know how to do it. I've done it for a long time and it works for some people. So I'll do that. But, but, uh, but I really have passion around the onsite and I do have my remote clients come out and see me at least a couple times a year. So I love that. Like, and I, they probably yeah. have no problem with that, but it's yeah. a, a pretty cool <laughs> journey. Yeah. I love it. All right. So you've touched on something or alluded to it and I could be reading it wrong, but, uh, do you have, what are some of like your daily practices? Do you, do, is there a mindfulness practice in your life or like, how do you, how do you get your head right? You, you've mentioned that a little bit. Do you have anything like that? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, right now it's refined to, um, meditation in the morning for me. Um, and it's, it's whether it's, you know, five or 10 minutes, but you know, on average it's, it works around 10 minutes in the morning. Um, I probably do it three or four times a week. Uh, and I, I, it's, it's a centering thing for me. So it allows me to have space between the stimulus that I'm working with the day. So I don't become reactionary. Now I will say this being a woman coach, the dynamic is that we have what's called two weeks of normal and then two weeks of not so normal where things kind of, if you have no awareness around that, around our cycles, right? (laughs) If you are dating a woman or married to one, you probably know, right? So it's like, in coaching, right, in a masculine environment where all of a sudden I know I'm going to have my monthly and I can feel myself being a little more sensitive, a little bit more emotional. Again, as a female coach, I think doing a lot of work around understanding your cycles and understanding your hormones and understanding um, even the psychology and the, the like how hormones influence your perceptions, really important because yes. – um, that, that grounds you in situations with your clients, whether male or female clients, um, in terms of like, Oh, am I reacting to this because I'm two days in or am I, am I actually 
you know, is this a real scenario? Um, so it separates that. So for me, um, I don't even know how I got on to talking about women's cycles, but the, mind, the uh, mindfulness, the grounding, yeah, yeah, <laughs> the grounding. So yeah. back to maybe because I'm coming up to that. How about that? <laughs> Fair enough. Lots of information for you guys. So anyway, yeah. So the mindfulness piece for me um, is something that if I feel those things coming on and I can feel my sensitivities and my emotions running a little hotter, and I know I need to be a little more present, um, that that helps me. So for you know, I do that um, definitely, and it helps. And there's a difference when I don't. I'm like, oh, okay, I need some Robin time. We need you can to tell, like, right? Totally. Um, and, and the other thing for me is uh, daily movement. So movement within, whether it's, you know, getting outside, getting on my bike in the summer, um, whether it's getting out on a, a long tour um, and just no headphones, no nothing, just listening to the birds, listening to the little creek that I'm hiking around or skinning up. Um, those are big things for me um, in terms of just keeping me, you know, in a place where I'm whole. Um, and then, uh, I usually read in the morning about for 30 minutes. Uh, and uh, one of the books I'm reading right now is Untethered Souls. Um, and uh, interesting book about self and who you are. Uh, and uh, so anyway, that's what I read. I usually read about 30 minutes in the morning with my cup of coffee, do a 10-minute meditation, um, and then start my day. What's amazing, I, the, you, there's about 15 things I want to talk about, so thanks for that. Uh, but... <laughs> What's amazing is that's kind of how I start my day, uh, and and anyone who's who's been with me in the morning, I, I, I a cup of coffee. I like to read. I, I just try to prime my brain essentially. So I'm I like read in the morning, and then totally. I do some sort of mindfulness training like that. <clears throat> all right. Mm -hmm. So where to begin? Uh, one is first of all, thank you for sharing that because one one thing that we're really trying to do is. Um, we we try to kick in the door on a lot of really important conversations. We talk about mental health. We talk about things like uh, that would otherwise be termed soft. You know what I mean? And we want to. I'll tell you. I I, I played sports for a long, long time, and I, I played football for a long time, and and did okay, and play and got a very small paycheck post college, and and competed in powerlifting, et cetera, et cetera. I say that because when I talk about things, I and and when you do, you're speaking from the inside out instead of talking to athletes or at athletes. Um, mm -hmm. You're saying, no, I get what it's like to want to go out and. Uh, smash a PR in your in your case. Um, I, I get that. I'm not. I'm, this is not a topical thing that I'm talking about. I'm I'm right here in the center, and I'm speaking from this world. I think only there can you really get um, to the good stuff. You know, like and, and and one thing that I'm absolutely convinced of. So I don't know. My background, uh, my most recent degree was human development psychology with a focus on cognitive neuroscience, and then I and I do and I and I kind of look at the brain regularly for a variety of reasons, um, not a physical brain, but the research, mm -hmm. you get it. Um, I'm pretty convinced that some sort of mindful practice and call it whatever the hell you want, call it focused attention practice or whatever, is right. is, is an absolute in ways that we might not recognize right now. So you know, I, I'll show you at some point, I hope we can continue this conversation going for years to come. Um, I'll show you the framework that we use when we consult coaches and teams and organizations. Uh, we always start with bedrock, which is eat, move, sleep. You can't jump your biology essentially to a point. Um, and then immediately following 
uh, and I only recently put it there, I used to have it sort of just beside our framework, is mm -hmm. focused attention training or some kind of mindfulness training. And the reason is uh, like this, no, no previous generation has had to deal with a supercomputer right. in their pocket that has that one primary goal and that goal is to grab and hold your attention. Um, I think these are really important things to understand. There's a lot out there in the coaching world about how to coach for grit or growth mindset and all that is good and necessary. But I think you've I really identified something which is, look, try to be gritty on three hours of sleep. It's just much harder. It's harder to oh, be resi totally. resilient. It's hard to be reflective. Your self-talk when your body is thrown, it doesn't have to be thrown in the gut, you know, just like different, off, whatever. Yep. It's like yep. coach with a hangover. You're just not going to be that good. You know? right. um, totally. I, I, and then finally, I, like I, I hope uh, there's a researcher. She's um, her name is Lisa Feldman Barrett. She's actually on our advisory board. She's awesome. I'll send you if you can you if you can write that down. We'll send you a link to the podcast we did with her. She has a okay. book called How Emotions Are Made, and she's a neuroscientist. She's a psychologist. She's out in Boston, and she's well, she's wonderful and and kind of a badass on her own. She starts every day with working out, deadlifts. She loves that kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> But but the first line of our conversation is something to the extent of, uh, the, you know, the brain didn't evolve for us to think and feel and see and experience these high caliber emotions and, and thoughts. It evolved so that we could move. And everything that, that has evolved within the brain happens in service of the body. So it's about uh, reg physical regulation, self-preservation, you, you know. Uh, it, that has to happen first, it, it, logically. Like we have to preserve the body, we have to stay alive in order to have these complex emotions and thoughts and ideas. So, but y you can't linger in, in column two. Column A has to be addressed always. So, anyway. Uh, no, absolutely. That's awesome. Um, yeah, the, the move, eat, sleep piece, just taking that and, and making that a foundational piece. I mean, I call those... Uh, basic lifestyle guidelines for my athletes. So, um, you know, just in terms of like, yeah, where's the foundation where we're working from? Am I working from somebody who's sleeping four hours a night eating like shit um, and emotionally overwhelmed, whatever is going on in their life? So, you know, getting those things cleaned up in terms of like, well, where's a foundation that we can work from, right? Because we all know that's not going to work. Like you said, biology, we can't fight that. Um, so, um, I love that. And that's, that's definitely one of my principles in, in terms of, uh, coaching and consulting and, and where I start with those guys. Um, but, but the, uh, the emotion part and who we are as human beings and the physical dynamic to that, um, you know, yeah, I lived that hard for, uh, for 20 years in terms of the physicality, um, and, and more, you know, morning deadlifts used to be part of my routine. Now it's morning hikes or morning bikes. There you go. Um, yeah, but, uh, but yeah, I think uh, I think the interesting thing with the emotional part, the things that I'm still learning on and, and kind of like this book that I'm currently reading is kind of like making me stretch my mind around is just, you know, who are you without the labels? Meaning, you know, well, who are you? Oh, I'm Robin Lyons. Well, no, that's what your name is. You know, oh, who are you? I'm a coach. No, that's just what you do. And it's like, who are you? And being able to um, look out and see this daily show that we're watching and know that it's constantly changing always and not trying to keep it like, Oh, it's gotta be the same. And we got to fix the situation. We got to do this, but learning to like separate from those attachments and just kind of look at what it is just as what it is right. and let the emotions come and go. And it's, this is like, this is like, you know, a lot of exploration in self again. Right. But it's like, 
um, I think for me, it's just like really learning to anchor back to the center, um, and being able to look back and just like, know like all these things that you think you are, you're not, you know, and you know, what are you really trying to, to get out of today? Um, and, and coming from a place that is just, you know, here present now, this person walking into my gym, how, you know, just seeing them right now today, not looking at what I got to do tomorrow, like that constant reminder of that. Um, and I'm not going to get on tangent because then it's going to become too whoop-de-doopty, but it's, it's, yeah, it's just, it's just that work on yourself. Right. And, and understanding that, but anyway, yeah. I'm getting on tangent. No, no, you're back. not. I love it. I, and people got to hear it because look, that's a skill, right? The, yeah. To, to come back to that moment, to be perfectly present and aware of what's going on is, mm-hmm. is a skill. So I think, I think it's sh- that too should be part of the conversation. I don't think you can be afraid to engage with it. I actually, I'll, I'll give you this before coach. Uh, Nadalna is really itching to get to the lightning round. He loves it. Uh, but uh, we, um, it, it just needs to be talked about. And, and it, it's only abstract at, on the surface. And then once you dig in and develop a, in a one-on-one relationship to it, I, I think, it's, I think it, it has to be talked about. I, I'll tell you, we, I, I was lucky enough to present on mindfulness, among other things, at the last, one of the last NSCA conferences. And... Um, and it, we start, it's funny, uh, you, you get folks who are just like, mindfulness sounds too soft, that's not for me, dude. That's what you, uh, We'll get, we'll get that know. kind of pushback. Life and coaching is the same thing, right? Is like, it, I, yeah, for sure. <laughs> right, exactly. It, so, and, and I, to that point, I would say, well, maybe then as coaches, one of the things that we need to be super uh, aware of is the language that we're using for greatest uptake. If we want people to be mindful, maybe we got to call it, you know, final drive mental coaching. I, you know, whatever, whatever it is, as long as we can get people in the door. And it's just funny because the last time I I got real pushback, I was standing beside a a friend of ours, Jared, Jared, who played uh, fullback in the NFL. And you got this kind of like guy, you know, this no offense to this person, but he's got some work to do. I think puffing up his chest, like I'm too good for mindfulness. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. yeah, Okay, me too. And so is that guy. And like, if 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 a freaking NFL fullback, if it's like that, he is by definition about as tough as a human comes. Uh, it's not to you know, I I see what you're challenging. Maybe, maybe it's track and hammer throw. I'm with you. But uh, you know, there there are there are you could you could from the outside say, okay, fine, I agree, that guy's tough. Mindfulness isn't too good for him or her or whatever it might be. That's that's I think how we break in with people, or at least that's the hope. Well, yeah, I mean, everyone's got an ego to protect, right? Yeah, like, that's guys, true. Like, it's true. For some people, they're just like, they're protecting their ego. They're protecting um, whatever else they feel that is that it, they don't want to be vulnerable in that sense. Yeah. And, and, and like I said, that's their own journey that they got to figure totally. out, you know, and some people never do. And that's not right or wrong either. It's like, hey, plenty of people made it through this path of life, um, you know, in their own chosen ways. And uh, but I think uh, for me, at least being able to, uh, you know, come back full circle and to be able to really come from a place that I feel is the most authentic and the most genuine. And with that, with a bunch of experience underneath to be able to really reach people, you know, to a depth, uh, for me, that's what's worked. And, um, I think there's definitely a place for mindfulness and meditation and meditation is a scary word out there for a lot of athletes and coaches, but, um, it's just really self work. If you want to, you know, if you want to improve what you're doing now and your own experiences, what do you want to experience? What kind of life do you want to live? 
what are all those answers? You know, dig into that. Don't be scared about that. Don't, you know, lose the shoulds. Oh, I should do this. Or this person told me I'm that and this, like we get that a lot, especially in sport. Like when you're a young athlete coming up, you know, parents are pushing you one direction and you're thinking you should do that to make them happy. Cause that's your love and acceptance loop. Mm-hmm. And if I don't get, you know, if I lose that because I'm not going to participate in the sport anymore, you know, that's a scary thing, right? So I think as you grow up as a child and you grow up as an adult and you start looking at, okay, well, why was I doing that? And what was I trying to get out of that? Okay. I was trying to get love and acceptance. Noted. Yep, now right. what do I want in life? You know, cause I, now I love and accept myself. So I don't need that anymore. Hmm, yeah. Um, you know, so we're, you know, asking those questions again, like what experiences do you really want to live on a daily basis? Do you want to be arguing with your partner 24 seven? Do you want to be uh, doing a sport for somebody else? You know what I'm saying? Like that all mm-hmm. equals an experience, quote unquote, um, that you live. So on this earth, you know, I think it's it's good to kind of like start digging into that as an athlete and as a coach, start digging into that um, so you can get the most out of your experiences for who you are, like the center of that, whatever that is, and be able to live that fully. Um, because that to me is fulfillment on a daily basis. And that to me is living a larger life, you can call it, but just living the maximum you can do while you're here. Um, and why would you want to do it any other way? Why would you want to live minimally in terms of like not really impacting much, you know, like that's not a fulfilling adventure for me. So well, I love that. that. I mean, that's, that's perfect. You, you can't get back. You can't get past yourself. Eventually you right. got to figure that part out. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I love that. There's no jumping it. That's important for people to hear. Yeah. And I, I'm telling you, I'm getting like the eyes over here from coach Nadal. He, uh, <laughs> He so we have a lightning round. Are you are you ready for that? It's like Let's it's like it. it's like quick hitters. Oh god. You got it? Got it. All yep. right. Yep. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> the lightning round. Jump right into it. What was your first job? <laughs> Flipping hamburgers at 16 so I could take a um 700 mile bike ride through the rock our Canadian Rocky Mountains. I had to raise money. So I had to I flip burgers. Was it at a chain that is well known, or no? Is this, okay. It was like Noka, Alberta, Canada. If you ever want to look that up, small little town with a mom pop shop, hamburger fried chicken place. Yeah, well, I don't know the name of it. It sounds Amazing. delicious. Um, <laughs> delicious. What is one habit or bit of technology that you feel makes you more successful? Uh, for me, it's it's uh, the mindfulness practice in the morning. I. Yes, connecting to myself and, and really like looking at what are those underlying emotions that I woke up with and and just, you know, dissolving the ones that are, are not playing to being useful for the day and looking at where I want to go in that direction. So bringing that energy to where I want it to be for the day. So the mindfulness for me is key. Which athlete had the most influence on you growing up? Oh my goodness. You know... Oh man, that's a tough one. I don't even know if I've, have I thought about that really. There's so many people, I think great athletes that I was around, um, just people in general. Um, but from an outsider looking in, um, Rebecca Rush was a big one and this is kind of a, a, a deep reach, but she's a adventure athlete. Um, I just think her purpose was so like to her core of what she, why she was doing what she was doing. She loved what she did. Um, 
and uh, she's, uh, you know, one of the best adventure racers out there. She still races endurance uh, in, in, in the biking industry. This is hard because I know I'm forgetting a couple of the people that influenced me. Um, but yeah, just off the top of my head, somebody like her. What was the most recent concert you attended? Recent concert? Uh, do I even do those things? Um, uh, that's a good question. <laughs> Did you sing in the shower this morning? That I guess that could count. Count it. <laughs> Done. Um, no, I, I mean, I've done, I've done a music festival here. We have one in the summer uh, where a bunch of like bluegrass bands come and they play like on the, like that was last summer. I haven't really been to like a, yeah, it's been a long time, if anything, like past 10 years and I can't remember that far. So sorry. <laughs> it's all good. No, that, that sounds great. I'm a big fan of bluegrass myself. So uh, <laughs> it sounds like a great festival. Uh, what is your fondest youth sports memory? Fondest youth sports. Youth as in like 12? Whatever whatever you want to pick from. Could have been last week as far as I'm concerned. Oh, really? Thank you. I'm blushing. Um, I would say fondest youth would be when I was at the Canadian National Championships. Um, I was practicing the discus throw four hours a day. I didn't even know why I was throwing this stupid discus. But I was practicing, practicing all summer. I went to the Canadian National Championships. My mom flew out with me um, with whatever money she had at the time to go to BC, British Columbia, Kelowna specifically, bringing this all back now. And I threw my first five discuses out. No, I think I, we had to throw one in because you got three. So you got to throw one in. So I threw one, but it was a shitty throw. And then I had got my next three and I went foul, foul. And then I had one more to go. And I just remember saying to myself, well, Robin, if you do, you do. If you don't, you don't. Just trying to like freaking just dispel all this pressure that my mom like spent all this money for me to come out. I put all this time this summer doing this. And I took that throw and it came. It, it was seriously like a, a, a football punt. Like, you know, like a lot of those were happening this last couple of weeks. Some missed, some, some made it, some didn't. But it drew. This freaking discus drew like a golf shot out and then back in and just made it in bounds and won. I won. I ended up winning the whole, it was like a record for Canada. And I ended up making the Francophone games, which is the French games. And I traveled to uh, Madagascar. Um, and it also got me my full ride scholarship to Wyoming because the coach was there watching. So it was like this one throw that like changed the course of my life um, for, for, you know, for the, forever good or bad. But it was it was awesome, and my mom was there, and I, it was just a great proud moment. So that was one of them. I'll just pull that one out. A discus throw. All right, <laughs> love it. No, that's that's awesome. Um, last one. As a leader in this field, what advice would you give to a future leader who is hoping to embark on a similar journey? Yeah, I think just like in the core of our conversation, uh, really digging into yourself. Um, and being clear on why you're doing what you're doing, being clear on why you're coaching, um, and really ask the question, what do you want that experience to look like and what do you, and who do you want to work with? Right. Um, I guess there's multiple questions within that, but at the end of the day, it's just going back to like, what do you want this coaching career to be and who do you want to influence and who are you as a person to do that? Right. So that would be the biggest thing. I think just, just really dig into those places that, that are kind of scary sometimes um, and make you feel um, potentially, I'll say weak from the lack of a better word, but maybe weak or vulnerable. But it, getting into those places really allows you to be the person you can be. 
because it it, de- it lets you detach from all those fantasy bullshit um, stories that you've been telling yourself. Um, so get to the core who you are. Ask those questions. And if you don't know, that's okay. But ask the questions and continue asking those questions. And I'll even say keep asking those questions every five years because those will change and evolve as well with you, um, which is awesome to kind of look back and go, wow, I cared about this before. Now I care about this. And that's that's life. That's the journey, right? So enjoy the journey. It's never the destination. It's never that one athlete that's going to make you this or that. It's it's the people and the relationships that you're you're dealing with now and today um, that will impact your life and impact the 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 movement going forward, the the coaching movement going forward. That's the end of the lightning round. You crushed it. Boom. <laughs> never has someone aced a lightning round. Oh yeah. In good. such a fashion. That's good. I was never good at tests, so no, you nailed I feel, it. I feel good. All right. You nailed it. Um, well, that's pretty. That's what we've got for you today. I really do hope that we can continue this conversation. You seem awesome and uh, sort of as build, um, pretty amazing. So thank you. Uh, thanks for the two of you for linking up for Derek for pointing us in your direction. Um, I really appreciate what you're what you're doing, and I'm and I appreciate your time. I appreciate your message. I hope people pick it up and run with it because you kind of alluded to it in the last question, but like the ripple effect of of this approach you know who knows where it could go and and this like the tough but kind uh competitive but caring sort of balanced looking inside first and and then reaching out um these are kind of core concepts that at what we're hoping is kind of a new and refreshing uh dialogue in sports so please keep doing what you're doing it's amazing stuff yeah well thanks for having me you guys i know it's been a, a rabbit chase um, Love it. but i'm glad we could finally connect and and even you just saying that last statement, I'm like, oh my gosh, we could talk about challenge and sport. Um, so anytime you want to get back on and it's a specific topic, we, I'd be happy to. This week's episode is brought to you by Remind Recover. Remind Recover is a supplement that helps athletes support brain health. Similar to how you drink a protein shake to help your muscles recover after a workout, Remind Recover has been scientifically formulated to give you the nutritional building blocks to help support healthy brain function. I am a huge fan of Remind Recover. It is as close to the science as any supplement I've seen. And feel free to check out their website for more. It's remindrecover.com. And when you go there, if you want to place an order, and I recommend it, use the code GOODATHLETE for a discount on checkout.